Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, David Altizer. And Connor McCaskill. And we're here to talk again about Sony versus Canon. Yeah, no, are we? Just, no, no, I'm just <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, I didn't respect that. <laughs> no, we appreciate all the comments, all the support on the last couple of videos. Um, we've been honestly a little blown away by the response. So if you're new here, welcome to the show. Feel free to look at our back catalog. We have a lot of other guests that we've had on. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is the new format. Connor and Dave uh, here doing our thing with occasional guests. I kind of like that vibe. You know, yeah, it's like me too. The, uh, oh, yeah, the occasional involved. guest is fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, I am a little biased, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. So I want to start the show off today with a tweet that I posted that kind of went a little wild. Oh, okay. I posted a tweet that said, reminder, buying a camera won't make you happy oh controversial okay hot take now obviously i do think there are levels of happiness um that are achieved when you get a material possession sure but kind of the under the uh tone of that what i was trying to hint at is exactly what joshua martin uh at call me rig daddy said making something with a camera will Mm mm-hmm uh, basically that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Um, but we had some great responses. Halide, uh, the iPhone app, they said buying a camera app on the other hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love Chris Brockhurst right here. You spelt Nikon wrong. Oh, <laughs> yeah. just rip in peace. Nikon. The answer is false. Was I right? Agree <laughs> to disagree. Um, yeah. So some really great responses here. Tyler Solomon, great. Now you tell me. <laughs> uh, pretty sure the S1H is making me happy right now. Obviously, buying a new camera does give you that hint of uh, dopamine, that hit of dopamine, rather yeah. that you you want and you unbox it and it's all new and that's all great and stuff. But I, I get what you're putting down. It's just yeah, it doesn't sustain you. There's no yeah. substance. There's no nutrients. And then the next one will come out, and then you'll be like, "This is a piece of garbage. Get out of here." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. Um, for some reason, this tweet just kind of went crazy viral for me. Yeah. Uh, 339,000 views, 93 retweets, 181 quote retweets. Wow. So it struck a nerve with people. Um, I wasn't trying to like necessarily make a hot take. I was trying to make a point. Are these? That, is this like a shower thought with Dave? Or yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But remember that, boys and girls, cameras will not make you happy. Nothing will truly satisfy you unless... You're seeking the goodness of Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that's, Amen. That's the main point I'm trying to make. Right. Um, so anyways, R6 Mark II. Oh, we're just getting right into the R6 Mark II, are we? Okay. So yeah, you have purchased the R6 Mark II or you're in the process of purchasing it. Right. Um, you just got back from a project mm-hmm. where you were shooting for how many days? Uh, four four days, I think. Four days, all yeah. Canon shoot, mm-hmm. and this was the premiere. You know, this is the flagship moment for this camera. It was this the debut. The debut. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um. So tell me, what happened with the R6 Mark II on this video shoot? So the shoot we were doing, we were in Dallas, and basically it was a mixture of different things. So we were doing. Um, I was shooting a lot of B-roll of this. It's uh, it was a conference called NADA. It's for like car dealers it's kind of interesting thing but um doing a lot of b-roll so i had it rigged up on the ronin uh three pro uh and it worked great for that it worked phenomenal for that actually um but another thing that we were doing um which i do a lot with this guy jim cook is uh, we were doing kind of like live streams Mm -hmm. and 
uh, something I do with them uh, pretty regularly with different jobs and stuff. And so we rigged up the, you know, his two R5s and then we rigged up the R6 and we're getting everything. We're testing everything to make sure it all it's going to work fine. We get the feed, you know, we're doing it wirelessly because it's like on the go live streaming. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But we ran into a small, large, small issue. The Canon R6 Mark II can uh, do a clean out, but it can't record while doing a clean out, mm, which okay. is a huge deal for the kinds of shoots that we're doing because we're always recording on cameras as well as doing a live cut. So yeah, basically for all things live streams, we had a C70 there as well. Uh-huh. So uh, my camera was just MIA for all that, and we ended up having to use the C70. Mm. So for a whole aspect, for half of the, so you had to, you stuff, had to, you were forced to use a better camera, right? Right, it was forced into it. Um, well, actually, what's interesting is that the um, because we were doing live streams, we we're just using the in-camera profiles. We're not shooting on any log. Yeah, uh, the in-camera profiles between the R5s and the C70 are pretty different, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, so whenever we would cut between the angles it was pretty obvious which one was the c70 in terms of just it just looked different yeah um so that was a bit of a a bummer because you kind of want when you're switching with the eos standard and eos neutral profiles did you play around uh we did play with the standard one but we kind of it was one of those things where we didn't really have time once they figured it out so we were in a Mm -hmm. pinch so we just kind of went with it so we ended up using the c70 for um our wide shot so that it felt different different yeah. enough that the, the color change just didn't really matter as much but yeah so the r6 mark ii it is a good camera in terms of canon mm-hmm. uh but that if you do any live stream work and you're thinking about snagging this camera and you do record to camera as well mm-hmm. as just do a live stream switch uh don't recommend it <laughs> so, uh in fact it doesn't work <laughs> is that true as well for the like because i'm pretty sure you could plug it in over usb and use it as a direct live stream camera via USB. I wonder if you can record internally while it's plugged into your computer just mm. over USB. That wasn't your use case. No, like it wasn't. you wouldn't have even been able to do that because I would imagine you were doing an ATEM switcher thing. Yes, we were. Um, the workaround for that would be to just use an Atomos recorder, right? In between. Right. But I mean, at that point, it's getting a little goofy it, it, mm-hmm. in reality it's just it's not the right camera for the job mm-hmm. that's just it so. unless you don't care about uh in-camera recording <laughs> unless you don't care about that yes uh, yeah. in which case it is fine um you could record in camera if you weren't doing clean hdmi out oh weird which is what's the point of that what's the point of, i guess for the youtubers that want to record their settings and okay. record the shot i guess but yeah it's just kind of yeah it's another it's another thing with Canon, right? Just to add it to the list. Yeah, so everybody um if you have any insight on this too by the way, this was just in the moment, yeah. you know, maybe there's a workaround that we don't know about. Let us know in the comments. Yeah, please do. So, what does that mean for you cuz a lot of the work that you do with this guy Jim Cook uh in- requires this ability. Yeah, so I mean like I straight up just asked him. I, I was like when we figured this out, I was like, "So, ditch it? Like <laughs> like what's the plan here?" What's the protocol? And he said, no. He said, uh, probably just keep it, but then we'll know that it's just mm-hmm. not usable for this stuff. So we'll mm-hmm. use other stuff. Or um, again, if you plan for it with an Atomos, like sure. on Sure. I, I mean, he has access to other R5s. So cool. yeah. we'll just not use it for those things. But then for other things, you know, like if he has me shoot a wedding or something, this will be fine. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. So he's not going to take it against you on that? He'll no. It, I mean, it's really against Canon. Yeah. It's just another knock. I, I keep... Uh, Maybe it's a firmware update, too. They could just solve it with a firmware. Yeah. I keep bringing up Sony every time I'm with them now. Oh, yeah? Just to see. Dude, he would love... I feel, I feel like if he went full tilt, he would actually enjoy the process. I think he would, too. But he has such a legacy with Canon. I don't mm-hmm. know that he'll ever... I don't think he'll ever switch. Well, while we're on that topic, let's go to our next topic, which is um, EF lenses on the Lumix. Okay. So hear me out because okay. um, it is interesting. Yeah. Um, there was a great video. There's a guy named Josh Cameron. We actually met him in Japan on the Lumix trip, and he did a great video titled, Is the Lumix S5 Autofocus Still Amazing Using EF Lenses? Okay. So everybody go check out this video. It's on his channel. Um but it is really quite impressive. Using EF lenses and the Sigma adapter, Mm. um, basically we're finding, and Tyler Stallman and I have been talking about this, but based on some of the videos that I've seen and based on my own experience, because I do have the Sigma adapter and I own a bunch of EF lenses. Okay, so you've tested this too. The autofocus performance on the S5 II is totally uh, in line with native lens performance. It's as good, you're saying? It's as good. Yes, like straight up. It is as good. And in this video, you can actually see some examples of it. So this is him comparing it to the Lumix version. There's no, um, there's no like wobbling back and forth. Yeah. And, and it, it performs just as good as the Lumix native lens. It seems pretty snappy. And um, the only downsides are depending on the EF lens itself. Um, and ironically, I would love to do some tests myself on mm-hmm. my C70 versus the S5 II. Um, but it actually looks like some of these lenses were actually performing better on the Lumix than even on a Canon body. So yeah, so in this example That's really here, snappy. you can see how quickly he's just tapping the screen and it's going back and forth. It's not doing the fluttering thing mm-hmm. because of the phase detect autofocus. Um, he's, his example showed that the 16 to 35 2.8 version three, which is the lens that we're using right now on the C70 okay. is the best performing one, but it's also cause it's the most recent EF lens. Right. <laughs> it was like one of the last EF lenses made. So this is another solid reason mm-hmm. if you're on the Canon system, but you're like, ah, oh, my glass, I don't want to mm-hmm. give up the glass, which totally makes sense. Right. Cause really when you invest in a ca- when you invest in a camera system you're not investing in the camera yeah as much as you're investing in the lenses at least for most people exactly um for instance jim cook he has lenses that are even 13 years old that he's still using yeah out the uh, wazoo yeah that i mean he has so many lenses all for the canon system and he doesn't have many i think he has like one rf lens right like uh no he's building that up now so i think he okay. has three now Okay. Well, he still has a ton of EF though. Oh yeah. So if you're a Canon shooter and you happen to own a bunch of EF lenses, not only is the V-Log to C-Log 2 conversion actually adequate and and doable, Mm -hmm. but now based on these examples here and here's some face tracking with, this is the 85 millimeter at F1.4 and it's tracking with no problems, almost as if it's a native lens on a Lumix body. This is really unheard of to have this type of performance on competing brands yeah uh canon obviously has the adapter from rf to ef and it works very well because it's canon to canon so is it it's also then the sigma adapter that's really good then too Mm -hmm. right because obviously you're putting something in between which is almost never a good idea Mm -hmm. in terms of quality like if you're sticking another piece of glass in between for example yeah it's almost usually not a great idea in this case it seems to be working great it's amazing 
yeah. So very cool. I need to do my own test, compare it to an actual Canon camera. Cause I don't think Josh had a Canon camera. Um, but again, you can just see in this footage, if you're watching the video, how remarkably reliable this is. And I think this is a big deal. No. The fact that you can get a camera that's $2,000 that has the ability to have, you know, dual native ISO, great V-log to C-log conversion, amazing, best in class, IBIS, great yeah. autofocus, oh, yeah. full-size HDMI, you can record and live stream at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess one of the biggest negatives against Lumix probably would have been, and so you will maybe disagree, but is their lens lineup. Sure. Um, obviously Which not is, saying their lenses aren't good. It, they are. It's just in terms of compared to Sony and Canon glass. I mean... Well, well, compared to Canon, there's more options with, with the Sigma variants. Yeah. Uh, every Sigma lens that exists is available on L mount. Which is great. Um, which includes, the, they have a wonderful 24 to 70 2.8. That's the same one that Zach has. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the same lens that's on Sony as it is on uh, on uh, Lumix. And obviously, yeah, they they still have some work to do to build it out. Right. I personally really love their little primes. We're using the S5 II on Connor's camera right now with the 85 millimeter at yeah. 1.8. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite little features on that camera is the focus limiter. I've never used it, but we're using it right now. Basically, I told the camera, focus right on the microphone and then a little bit past Connor's head, but don't go beyond that. That's pretty cool. And in a way, it's sort of like a face-only mode from Canon, except on Lumix, but not really. But it is cool because if there were something going on in the background, it's not going to distract it. Right. Yeah. So. If it has a freak out moment for some reason, which it shouldn't because it mm -hmm. works great. Um, you're not going to have it, you know, going all the way to close focus or back focus. Yeah. Love that. Exactly. You like my little notepad? I do. I've been, <laughs> uh, I've been eyeballing it. It's uh it's wholesome in a way. It's, great. it's a wholesome uh, notepad. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's a wholesome process more than the notepad itself. So, Literally the day that we did our shoot last week. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even, of, did they just like, I, I don't know how that flew under my radar. I think the day before they announced it, but I just wasn't on social media. And yeah, I, didn't I guess see it. Well, neither was I though. But they um, refreshed their MacBook Pro line. Um, wow. So now both of our MacBook Pro M1 Maxes are extinct. Yeah, uh, they're old now. They're old news. We don't even want them anymore. <laughs> uh, no, that's not true at all. Actually, I mean these are cool. They're doing some. They're doing some more cool things with it. But it's really, it's the the our version that we got was the real overhaul. Like this is totally. I was watching Marquez Brownlee's video, which I'm guessing you probably saw as well but he was just basically saying he's like it is an improvement and it is great but if you have the m1 max or pro mm -hmm. probably don't need to upgrade because it's like a 20 to 30 percent improvement on certain things which is really exciting but well we haven't even talked about what it is yet oh it's the m2 the m2 pro and the m2 max i assume i mean come on everyone knows what we're talking about <laughs> but you're right i didn't say it yet excuse so, me no yeah so yeah like last week they announced it by now you might you may have already seen some reviews like you're saying um what's most interesting to me about the m2 is that it yeah it is marginally i mean it is better yeah, but well, I, marginally um, sounds it, it's definitely like a little above marginal improvement, but it's still not like, um, it's, it's not like, oh my gosh, I need this. Especially coming from an M1 Max. Yeah. We're getting better battery uh, life, apparently. Um, yeah, I think this is like an hour better. Yeah. Uh, up to 96 gigabytes of RAM. That's pretty amazing. Rather than 64, which was the Max previously. Mm -hmm. But I never even tapped 64. No, um, I think mine's only... 32 maybe 64 i can't even remember what i got same body you know same yeah. 
same HDMI out, but now well, it's HDMI 2.1. Not quite the same. Yeah, it's HDMI 2.1. Yeah, so that's yeah, which, cool. That so was, that's 8K support, mm-hmm. which is cool. And higher frame rates. And then a uh, new Bluetooth and new Wi-Fi 6 or something. Which, yeah, faster Wi-Fi. Everything's better. Yeah, everything um, is slightly better. Same display, uh, same notch. Mm-hmm. I wish they would get rid of the notch. I think they'll probably get rid of the notch in the phone first. What do you think? Yeah. And then that'll trickle into the computers. I mean, we do have the dynamic island right now, yeah. which is pretty cool. I do like that. Um, I've grown to like it quite a bit. You know, it's funny. I was doing a um, Zoom call with Photo Joseph, and I was sharing my screen with him. And he was like, what is this? Because he's on a PC. He was like, what is this like blacked out section on the top of your screen share? I was, oh. like, I was like, oh, I'm on a MacBook Pro. And he's like, oh, that's what it is. That's the notch. the notch. It's just literally on his, I think it was like either whited out or blacked out oh, nice. on his screen <laughs> share ends. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's true. We still got Touch ID in the thing, which is great. I but love that. I, I wish it had Face ID though, right? Wouldn't that be cool? Well, I, I would be afraid of that, not because of Face ID. I, I use Face ID all the time, but I, I don't want them to get rid of Touch ID. Oh, okay. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I like Touch ID a lot, um, so I think it should have both. But I think if they move to Face ID, they'll just get rid of Touch ID. Probably. Just like with the phones. But the reason Touch ID probably is the right solution to unlocking your Mac, you know, getting into passwords and stuff, is because it really is a distinct, um, it's it's a manual decision that you're making to put your finger there. Whereas if you're on a laptop, Face ID is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I like, purchases it, and stuff, you yeah, mean? It w- yeah, it would just instantly scan your face right. every time because your face is exactly where it needs to be. Well, maybe how it would work is similar to like your phone where you have to like double tap the power button and That's then it true. does it. So like maybe that button, same thing instead of it being Touch ID. But at that point, just make it Touch ID. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they've already weighed all these pros and cons. And I do think it would add a little bit of thickness to the display because they can't get it to fit in that small size yet but i do uh, you know instead of going over all the minutia and the details of m2 pro and m2 max which right. is essentially just better than the last yep i do want to talk about something that we both um know and love um and that is the apple silicon transition so okay. if there's anybody and by the way another thing that they upgraded was the mac mini yeah, And they gave us now, this didn't exist previously, an M2 Pro uh, version of the Mac Mini. Oh, that's cool. Which gives you kind of that perfect, like, you need a little bit more, but you don't want to spend too much money yeah. um, way to get in here. Uh, the, the M2 Pro has significant uh, improvements in GPU and CPU performance compared to the uh, standard M2. Right. You do still need a monitor with this purchase but i think yeah. even with a decent monitor you're still coming in under the macbook yeah you need you need a monitor uh keyboard and mouse, keyboard and mouse but, but yeah those are all things that you can you can buy the apple version of that it'll be seriously expensive if you right. do that um, but you could in theory just that buy a cheap little nice, display though. 4k display off amazon right. um, and whatever and then upgrade as you will mm-hmm. you know um and the, the great thing about this too which i think is better than the imac is that the computer is now separate from the display. So yeah. if you want to invest some money into the Apple Studio display, which is a wonderful 5K display, yep. you spend your you know thousand bucks on that year over year or every two or three years, you can just swap out your Mac mini. Instead and, of buying the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, but the display is still good. It's kind of insane when you think about the waste of, you know, if you had an older Intel 
27 inch 5k iMac mm-hmm. there's a beautiful display attached to that computer and it's just collecting dust because now it's completely outdated that's a really great point do you think because they didn't announce any new iMacs Mm-mm. which is almost surprising unless they're just doing away with it I think they're going to, I think this is it. I think this is the answer. The studio, the Mac studio is the pro version. Like the, the, it's like the iMac pro. Right, 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 right. With the display. And then now this M2 pro Mac mini is kind of your like mid tier 27 inch iMac Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's my thought. Yeah, that makes sense. But with that, if there's anybody still holding off who's an Apple person or even somebody who is a PC person who does video editing and production, right? what are what would you say to that person in terms of Apple Silicon and kind of this transition? Do you think, you know, now obviously you can buy an M1 Pro or M1 Max for a bargain probably? Yeah, I mean, like my, my, my answer to that, if you're on PC and you have no interest in Apple, uh, that's fine. I mean, like, if that's really the, the route you want to go down, mm-hmm. I will say I have a PC and I have a MacBook. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't game on a Mac, really. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, but I think w- I do really love having a PC, but all that has done is make me appreciate my MacBook more. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> How so? Like, what well, are some things about the PC? That- uh, the PC is cool. You know, it has RGB lighting and it can do things mm-hmm. that my Mac can't do in terms of gaming but it also does that it crashes it really does crash a lot and it's or like it always needs an update all the time and mm. it's just all those annoying things about pc that it's just it's just the how it works yeah. but um that doesn't mean i don't like my pc i really do but it makes me appreciate my macbook so i would recommend looking into it but just look for the m1 max i mm. think if you want to save a few bucks, because like you're saying, they're probably going to go on sale right now. Mm-hmm. You'll probably be able they to find are. a smoking deal. And for 20% increase in performance, I don't know that it'd be worth spending all the way up to the max stout M2, unless you're doing some really high-end work. But at that point, you already have it. Yeah, you know exactly. I think just like Mark has said in his video um, and many other reviewers, Year over year, you shouldn't really be thinking about upgrading if you're in the pro tier of computers. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be spending your money um, on the front end to buy, you know, the maximum you can afford f- for what you're doing. And then in theory, that should last you five to maybe even longer than that years, like right. five to 10 years. <laughs> well, 10 years might be pushing it a little bit, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, our friend off to our left right now, Malachi Sali, is using a computer from 2014 i think uh don't recommend we're almost 10 years what's that 2015 so we're we're eight years in uh and he's still kicking over here getting his job done because resolve is actually um capable enough to perform Uh, malachi when you used premiere was it harder and on your machine than resolve wow he he said if you yeah, if you can't hear him, he said he can't even edit GoPro footage on a Premiere. Premiere. So that I means that's that's software just wasn't optimized. Yeah, that's software optimization. So, so it doesn't mean you can't make it work. But, that but being he's also said, on an Intel, which alone is well well outdated beyond what Apple Silicon may be in ten years. Yeah, um, it's I, just such a what. I think if you're on a 2015 Intel MacBook, you should be looking at even just an m1 regular absolutely or even the m2 regular because it's 1200 bucks or something i know yeah. for that i mean that's insane that's nuts yeah you can if you are really on a budget 
consider getting that mid-tier M2. I wouldn't get the lowest um, because there is a bit of a caveat now with the M2. Oh, yeah? The What's 200, this? The 256 gig version, the speed of that SSD is half the speed. Oh, so interesting. If you go up to 512 uh, gigabyte SSD, you get um, the faster. It's what we're used to with our hard right. drives on the M1. Um, that wasn't the case with the M1. All of the hard drives had full speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, for some reason, the lowest end has a slower and speed. Then, also, 256 gigs isn't enough for video professionals. Right. Usually, uh, it's hard to get by with that. I would say at least 512 is your minimum. A terabyte, I ideal. think. I think a terabyte in today's world, if you're editing with any sort of... yeah you know, larger files. I think a terabyte is usually um, the minimum. And the way that I work and stuff, I, I did use the M1 Mac mini for a while, but the way that I work and stuff, I I really recommend a laptop. Um, even if you're using a, a monitor and a keyboard for the majority of your time, having the ability to go portable, whether you're on an airplane or whether you're on a desk like right now and I'm using my laptop as a screen that's right. low because I'm not using a giant monitor, it's perfect for this use case. Um, I don't know. That's quitter talk. Take that mini, that Mac mini everywhere, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, yeah, the mini is very small and compact. And when I worked for my cousins, I had a Mac mini. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is I had a monitor set up here and then I had them buy me a monitor over there and a keyboard over there. Yeah. So I would just unplug it and plug it in and it was pretty easy. I'm pretty sure you've taken it to a coffee shop or two. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's I think I used an iPad as yeah. a screen, um, which you can do. But really realistically a laptop is the way to go right. but unfortunately when you get into laptop territory even the lowest end m2 pro uh, 14 inch is starting at two thousand dollars now so that's mm. significantly more than the m2 pro mac mini which was 12 12.99 right uh, you're paying for that beautiful display you're paying for the you know touch id the trackpad all that stuff so but still two grand for a computer that has that kind of an output is it's insane. more than reasonable. It's, it's totally. actually very affordable in terms of what it's capable of. So, and in the past, um, even just two or three years ago, pre um, pre M one, what this M two Pro, the base level, even the M two normal, is mm-hmm. able to do in terms of performance, you would have to have spent you know five six thousand dollars. Right. I know at least from my experience, I had a maxed out modern. I think it was 2019, 16 inch. MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. totally specced it out. I spent like $4,000 on it. And then the M1 came out and the M1 Mac Mini, which cost $599 at the base level, which is the one I ordered, was like outperforming it in terms of editing speed. It was slower on the export because it didn't have the GPU performance. Right. Um, but in terms of like day-to-day editing and the timeline, it was so snappy, especially in Final Cut. Well, I remember we had the Mac Pro, the cheese grater with Armando when I was doing stuff with him. I think it was like a $22,000 bill or something crazy. And the M1 13-inch computer came out, and that thing was smoking Mm -hmm. in terms of just like using it optimal performance compared to the (laughs) $22,000 Mac Pro that came out like not even a year ago at that point. So, I mean, Apple Silicon is nuts, and it's only getting better. It's time to to switch. If if you've been holding off, the fact that these new machines are here with the new M2 variants, the Pro and the Max, and obviously I would assume a studio will come at some time this year, as well as um, a true, uh, you know, 
cheese grater uh, Mac Pro, which they've promised us. But the MacBook Pro is has the highest recommendation, even if you're using it primarily as a desktop Mac with a monitor and keyboard. The fact that you can just unplug it and walk out the door, go to a coffee shop, go in the plane, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you need to do, get the work done on a laptop. It's performing at desktop level. In the past, there was always a compromise with the laptop because it just wasn't powerful enough because it's so small. It's like and you can only fit so many things in there. Yeah. Yeah. But now the the M2 is so small. The M1 and the M2 is the chip itself. System on a chip is what it's called. SOC. Right. The whole computer is on one uh, motherboard, basically. The, the SSD, the RAM, the GPU, CPU, it's all on one chip. So it's just this small little thing. And then the rest of this MacBook is mostly battery. So um, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do. And it's obviously from the billions of dollars they've invested into the iPhone and iPad technology all these years. It's a similar process. Right. Um, So they're using all the stuff they've learned over the last decade making iPhones uh, in the billions uh, now for Macintosh computers. Well worth the transition. Let us know in the comments if you agree or disagree. (laughs) We know you agree. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 silicon transition is one of the biggest and probably w- will be remembered as one of the biggest shifts in our time yeah. for, for uh as professionals oh yeah it Easy. really is and it if you're not on the bandwagon yet now's a great time to get on and you don't have to actually spend that much money yeah relatively uh in terms of professional computers Again, look for an m1 pro or m1 max yeah and you're you're gonna have a smoking computer Okay, so I want to share this. I don't know if you looked at it or watched it yet. Did you watch Mr. Beast's recent video? No, the most recent one I watched was Antarctica. I want to bring this up because it's a bit of a controversy on the internet about it. Um, The title is 1,000 Blind People See for the First Time. (laughs) So if it's a controversy, and I haven't seen it, I'm guessing that they weren't blind. No, no, they they were blind. Oh, okay. The, the controversy. So basically, um, I'll play it in the background. We won't actually watch it, but basically, Mr. Beast applied his format, which is this kind of extreme, you know, big clickbaity ideas and concepts, and he and he applied it to something good, which is true. He literally had hundreds of people in America who um, needed a, a, a cataract surgery, essentially. It's a very repairable and curable uh, form of blindness. Okay. It's um, often not something that you're born with. It's something that comes with age or... Yeah. Um, My dad had that surgery. Yeah. So yeah. basically at the beginning of this video, this doctor says almost half of the people in this country that are blind or in the world that are blind can be cured of it with a 10-minute surgery. Yeah. I would recommend you guys check it out because it is a slower pace actually compared to his other videos. And I do feel like he did it very tastefully. He's not exploiting these people. He is offering a, you know, a free service to them that changes their life. It looked like he gave someone money at least. Yeah, there was a woman who, yeah, like who who he just gave her ten thousand dollars. There's a couple other people. There was a, a student who um, was like he was like in his early twenties and he paid for his whole college. Yeah. Uh, like a $50,000 college wow. scholarship. Okay. So um, what's the controversy? The controversy and the issue that people are having is that he's exploiting these people for views. That's the idea. Okay. Uh, it's like the class. I mean, this happened before with YouTube, right? Wasn't there a, like a, 
a trend where people were finding homeless people and giving them like a hundred bucks or something yeah. and exploiting them for, in a sense, exploiting them for a ton of views. And then mm-hmm. they were making way more than that hundred bucks off the video. I, I get where that's energy is coming from, but based on what I'm now seeing, I, it looks like he, I, th- I think the thing about Mr. Beast, you know, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of the content itself. Um, it's just my, my personal taste. It's a, um, it's for younger audiences generally. That being said, uh, from what I understand about him, which is somewhat limited, it seems like he has a really good heart and he's, and he's coming at it from a good place. So yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with this. I mean, these people honestly needed help and if he didn't come along and do it, who was going to do it? Yeah. So and is he making money off this? Sure. But you also got to understand he takes most all of this money and pours it back into mm-hmm. the next video or into the philanthropy channel mm-hmm. where he's helping even more people. So and I, think I don't fine. think he, he's not exploiting them because these are, uh, these are people who gave their consent to be in the video. Right. So it's like, Hey, I would like to pay for you to have a surgery where I can, we're going to essentially cure your blindness. The only thing is you have to be in my video, sign this thing. They're like, heck yeah. Where do I sign? Right. It's not, it's not like before <laughs> like, where people would just approach a homeless guy, record him without them knowing, Yeah, give him a hundred bucks. And then that's but more exploitation. So yeah. Yeah. No, okay. And then at the, there's some really heartfelt moments here. I like the, you can sort of see the transition happening and Hayden Hillier Smith talked about this at his talk at Vid Summit he really wants to see YouTube slowly transition into more traditional filmmaking um, in terms of the storytelling, Mm -hmm. having, you know, actual, you know, real depth to it with payoff with act one, act two, act three. Mm -hmm. Um, His theory is that the idea of retention in terms of retention sake, uh, the way that Mr. Beast has done in the past, which is almost like a bunch of TikTok videos put together into one long 20 minute video of just, Big extreme thing after big extreme thing after big extreme thing. Right. Like you don't have to do that. You could also have a compelling story and that alone gives retention. Right. But you're also maybe sacrificing some views because people will get bored. I don't know. He's sitting at 70 mil on this. Well, that's the thing that's fascinating to me is that this is a big... 76 mil. This is a big performer for him. He posted a tweet about this. He's like, I'm surprised by the results of this. This is, I mean, he always, you know, he often gets over 50 million subs- uh, views per video, but um, the velocity of this is has gone faster than normal. Right. And I think it's because it's a more heartfelt, better, kind of less exploitive in terms of money, money, money type of thing. It feels less materialistic. Materialistic. I yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's kind of what you're going for. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should give this one a go. I think it might be, this one might be a little more my speed in terms of Mr. Beast videos. Uh, I did watch the video that Dan Mace now was doing over on the philant- uh, philanthropy channel. Oh yeah. And uh, I actually liked that one a lot. It was, it was pretty well done. Uh, yeah. It's because Dan Mace is now, which Dan Mace is the, or was uh, helping Casey Neistat at a point uh, shoot. Mm-hmm. And I think edit his videos. Uh, and I, yeah. think, I think he did a pretty good job, even though that was kind of short lived. And so he continued doing his own thing, but now Mr. Beast has hired him. I personally like this video a lot, um, especially when it comes to Mr. Beast content. Yeah, so I think, I mean, Mr. Beast is kind of the king of YouTube at the moment, and he doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Right. So I think it's important to to watch him and see what he's doing and study it. And, um, you know, hopefully he'll, it seems like he has a good heart. He's not, ironically, some things can come across materialistic, but uh, I think deep down he is a 
good guy and we'll just yeah hopefully see. i mean i don't know him personally but from what he projects on the internet mm-hmm. and what i see other people like because he's not just in his own content he's in other people's stuff and yeah. you get a little more taste of the humanity of him because he's just kind of a character on his yeah. own videos for yeah. sure so it's cool to see him in other stuff and he's like oh he's you know he's a human being i think that's it's, the biggest criticism is that um for the sake of views he is forfeiting real authenticity right you know and he's putting himself and other people in extreme circumstances to get a reaction, to get an emotion out of them. But in in doing that, he's cutting out a lot of the things that make him human, that make all of us human. Right. Uh, it might be flashy and get our attention and, and make us watch till the end. But then you compare that to like Casey Neistat when he was doing his vlog, mm-hmm. you felt like a part of his life and you get a real sense of who he is. He was yeah. really vulnerable. You don't, like you don't watch Mr. Beast videos and go, oh, I understand who Mr. Beast is. Mm-hmm. You, but you do watch Casey Neistat videos mm-hmm. and get a better idea of who Casey Neistat is. Sure. So that, you're right. That's a really good comparison. But you have, you know, in terms of filmmaking too, it's like Mr. Beast is like the marvel of, yeah. you know, YouTube. Yeah. And then, you know, Casey would be kind of your Oscar award winning, you know, film with deep story to it. You know? Right. And both are YouTube videos. And both are YouTube videos. <laughs> um Cool. So I want to give a quick uh, shout out to our Spotify listeners. Spotify recently uh, added the ability to um, put uh, time code, uh, essentially chapters, in the podcast. Yeah. They don't have uh, chapter support like Apple Podcasts and like Overcast and other apps. Mm-hmm. But if you go into the description of our, the, like the show notes of the Spotify show, Go ahead and check it out. I'm putting all of the time codes there for each section. Feel free to use that and utilize that if you want to skip around to certain parts or you need to catch up on something and you want to go back to a certain area. Check the show notes or essentially the description of the this episode. You can see where you can skip around. Yeah. That being said, 95% of our audience is not on Spotify. Basically, like 90-ish percent is on um, iOS devices. Yeah. The primarily being on Apple podcast. Um, so if you're an Apple podcast listener, or even if you're not, but you happen to have the app, it would really mean the world to us if you would go leave a rating and review. There's actually a lot of shows named Golden Hour, not just the one uh, not just with the funny Chris one. D'Elia yeah. and Brandon Schaub. There's actually some other creators as well that have a show called Golden Hour. So because of that, if somebody were to look for our podcast and do a search on the Apple podcast and just simply search Golden Hour, ours is not the first result. Um, So if you guys leave more reviews and ratings, that kind of boosts the algorithm, if you will, of like engagement and listenership. We do have great uh, listenership on the show. We've actually been growing. We're around three to 4,000 listeners per episode, which is awesome. That's great. Um, we're also looking for sponsors for this show. So if you're listening to this and you happen to be uh, a sponsor, <laughs> like somebody who would want to sponsor the A potential show, sponsor, yeah. Potential sponsor, please reach out. And I also just want to put this out there too. I'm trying to be better about being open to all of you and utilizing my um, platform to help people. So if you have anything in your life, like literally anything regarding filmmaking, business, marriage, whatever, I am opening up uh, myself to you if you want. So feel free to reach out to me personally on my social media 
or on the contact page on Golden Hour. I just want to leave that as an open invitation. If you want to talk about your faith, marriage, life, whatever, I just want to be a little bit more helpful to anyone who may or may not need my help. (laughs) So um, leave a rating and review and uh, check out the chapters on Spotify if you're a Spotify listener. We do have chapters in Apple Podcasts and other platforms as well. I still haven't figured out the video on Spotify, but the problem with video on Spotify is that we would lose all the chapters in the audio. You can't do both. You can't do both. It's one or the other. Hmm. So I don't um, know. Let us know which one you guys would prefer more. That's yeah. interesting. Personally, I think, because I listen on Spotify to spot, uh, to podcasts, I like the video. You like seeing the videos? Uh, so my vote would be for the video, but that's just my vote. And the, the cool thing about the time code in the description is that does translate over to the audio platform as well Mm -hmm. um but you don't have the nice little chapter breaks that apple podcasts and overcasts do um and again like 90 percent of our audience is on those platforms not on spotify so they're never going to see the video there and if they want to watch the video we would rather you go to the youtube channel anyways (laughs) truth because that actually you know is we just got monetized yeah it's big news yay after a year and a half of the channel existing we finally got enough subscribers and viewership to get monetized so obviously we would rather you watch it on youtube um instead of spotify anyways truth so maybe that answers maybe that answers that question doesn't matter yeah (laughs) right um Um, see we're still figuring it out until spotify opens up maybe some ad revenue or something but right um, or spotify wants to give us a hundred million dollar deal like joe rogan (laughs) just like joe could happen that's the thing is the only youtube the only spotify video podcast that i know of are the ones that spotify bought out (laughs) right (laughs) truth truth but anyways hope you guys enjoyed the show let us know in the comments if you have any questions uh feel free to reach out And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye bye.